Woo! Nature Boy. There it is. Sorry. You didn't have the drops the whole episode with our guy, Arthur Petro. We had to do it ourselves. Petropolis. did it. Petropolis. Petrodopolis. No, you just say it right. Dude, you did the Webster guy's name before we got on. I said Papadopolis. Yeah, but it messed my brain up. Hey, this is Sweat Equity Podcast and Streaming Show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Entrepreneurial Vice, Real Raw Dog Talk. Petropolis, right? Petropolis, yes. I wasn't uh, going to just let that go. Do you like mergers, acquisitions? <gasps> Are you a small business owner dreaming about selling your business? This is a good one to listen to. And we're definitely having him back on. I like that guy. Me too. Yeah. Listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. <gasps> hey, share it. Share the fuck out of the show. <laughs> Please just do it. Just do it. I'm going to say it sincerely. It's like a begging. This is a good show. He gave us a compliment at the end. Guys, yeah, listen, listen all, all the way to the end. Yeah, listen all the way to the end. Tell, he'll tell us how good we are. I'm going to cut that clip. I'm going to cut that clip. Send it to my parents. Put it, make an ad out of that. Okay. And put it out. Yeah, send it to our parents. Yes. Hey, we're not failing. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace, all one CMS website builder for your brand or your e-commerce business. Hit up. The link in the episode description. I thought you were going to say Webster Builder. The Webster Builder with a little dumb waiter action if you want it. Ooh. <laughs> and if you call your mom, ma'am, this is the website builder for you. Hit the link in the episode description. You get the hookup. We get the hookup. Holler if you hear me. Our other three sponsors are Call Rail, Call Tracking for your website. Get some call swap numbers going on. Bigly Sales, CRM Plus, Marketing Outreach. And LinkedIn Premium, two months free. If you hit the description link, holler if you hear me, make them say, oh, hotty toddy. It's called Sweat Equity. Listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. We're going. We're yeah. recording. Mm-hmm. Right. We just get to it, man. That's all right. That no, works. No need for pleasantries and you know fake business uh, like niceties and all that stuff. What, um, Arthur? Oh, straight. So. Yeah, it's business like. Yeah, that's that's what we meant. Oh yeah, that's what we meant to. Yeah, for that's sure. the slogan of the show. It's definitely not because we don't prep or uh, anything about the creative of this show. <laughs> that's all right. You know what? I was actually listening to some of the old podcasts. Uh, and it, first off, when you do the intro for this thing, you got to make sure you include one of the Ric Flair sound snippets. Nature Boy. Gotcha. Woo! Yes. Big '90s WWF guy. And then, secondly. I think one of the podcasts I listened to, the guest never showed up. So we're already starting off at a pretty good point here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we were pretty sour about that one. So uh, that actually was going to be the first question. I forget to ask that one. Uh, did you listen? <laughs> and uh, what did you think? But it seems like uh, a lot of people come just, on the show. Just, did you listen? That's We got it. Yes. No, you know? I, did you I, think, Mark? Whatever. Always, you know, we don't have to, you know. I'm always surprised. Like 
I always, if I get asked to be on a podcast, I always try to listen to it. It's not like yeah. it's that hard to just, even just for a couple of yeah, minutes, see what, it, see what it's about while I'm folding laundry, you know, or something, something cool like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Arthur, why don't we, uh, why don't you tell our audience where they can find you, um, you know, any plugs, we'll put them in the description of this episode, but um, yeah, we, sure, we always let the guests do their own intro because, you know. Lack of prep. I appreciate that. So my name is Arthur Petropoulos. I'm the managing partner at Hillview Partners. We're a uh, middle market, lower middle market, mergers and acquisitions, uh, and, and capital advisory firm. We help companies sell themselves. We help companies secure capital. We like privately held businesses, uh, family entrepreneurs, smaller investment group owned companies, typically generating 400000 to $4 million a year pre-tax profit. Uh, my person, so our website, hillviewps.com, you can find me, type in Arthur Petropoulos on YouTube. I have an upstart Twitter with uh, not many followers, but some good content there. And uh, putting out videos a couple times a week on LinkedIn as well. So we want to be the most present, uh, marginally boring, no, but, but helpful content to, uh, to the audience. So I appreciate that. Well, I was um, saying to Eric right before the mics heated up, this is maybe the most professional bio we've been sent. Um, <laughs> and we were like, oh, I could be firing this booking agency for coming on our lowly dick joke business show. Yeah. Um, but, but I found out you're from Rhode Island. It's all good. Tell yeah, well, I'm from Rhode Island. Any connection? Nope. <laughs> I thought you had something because I was like, no, yeah, take it away, buddy. I know it's a tiny state. <laughs> um, That's all right. Yes, I grew up, you could tell from the, uh, the bad Rhode Island accent, but I'm a Providence native, spent about a decade in New York, now back to Rhode Island, so travel with, anywhere I can go to get a bad accent. So uh, Yeah, good. I take all my facts from my family guy, I think. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's about all I all got. All your Rhode Island knowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, my... My mother's a very uh, sweet woman, but her her accent in Lois is almost identical. <laughs> really, <laughs> I think I'd like to hear that. Yeah, can you can you do that impression? <laughs> or uh, call her? Trying to try to be uh, geographically agnostic in my uh, uh, accent, but uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't hear any. I, I, I didn't pick up an accent. I don't hear any accent. Honestly, you sound like every uh, kind of CEO. <laughs> um, very polished, I would say. Not like a news reporter, you know? That's a little like, today's news. That's a weird fake thing yeah, that that's just a happened weird over cadence. time. Yeah, I don't know why they decided that's how you do the news Yeah, tonight. Um, <laughs> what, uh, we got to ask every uh, guest sure. that comes on for the first time, as you know, because you listened. Um, Although we listened to one without a guest, so. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, a few more uh, oh really okay and by the way rick flair lives in our neighborhood he's in he's down here uh no doing way. as many uh appearances right to, he is milking that dry buddy because he's got four ex-wives i heard him on uh, rogan talking about it and he's like uh, i made like two million dollars a year to my exes God. you're like you're 80 yeah. and you're still doling it out man one of them's pregnant Nature Boy. Woo! Um, Arthur, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? You know what? I would say <laughs> two things. One, just don't listen to the noise. You know, so I would say 
figure out what it is that you want to do and just relentlessly pursue it because at the end of the day, there's almost nothing you can do for 20 years and not be good at. So if you combine that with something that you really want to do, you'll actually be good at it. And then the second thing I would say is that, you know, there's going to, I said it in the last podcast I did, the beginning of things and the end of things, there's a lot of celebration, right? Starting companies, selling companies, but there's an awful lot in between that's just kind of, you know, you're Don Quixote chasing windmills in the dark. And, and so I say, it's going to be you and God, so you better find your God. And so those are my two pieces of advice. Relentlessly pursue, zone out the noise, and have faith in God, and things tend to turn out all right. I don't think I've heard that where you say if uh, you do anything for 20 years, you'll be good at it. Yeah. I thought my, of it that way. My, I immediately, I thought of the TSA. <laughs> right. They get worse. You just actually. immediately are like, what, is, what are the ones of the exceptions to this? I thought of everyone at the airport that is a career airport employee. You're terrible at that. And they just, they don't, you start better than when you, you're 20 years in. Yeah, actually, I could imagine there's some, uh, you ever had like the some tw- attrition going the on? Old stewardess, whatever they're called now, whatever we're supposed to call them. Flight attendant? Sure, whatever. Um, they're, they're sassy, but don't help. Right. Like, I'll deal with a Southwest uh, sassy lady with big hair from Dallas, you know, giving you those extra peanuts, giving you a wink, too. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel nice. Yep. Like you got something. Still got it. She'll do a joke on the intercom that's not really funny, and everyone laughs, and then I die a little bit on the inside. Yeah. Because she's murdering in this <laughs> right. in this tube. Laughing um, at that. So, you're you're basically the way I was kind of uh, going through your bio. You know, you're you're coming in to help people through an awfully difficult transition. It sounds like is that fair to say? Are you wor- yeah, no. you're working in the SMB market? It sounds like, but you yeah. had a corporate background. Yeah. So look, I think it's kind of the combination of things. So my, you know, if I go back a couple of generations of my family, you know. I always joke the Greek stereotypes are largely true, right? One of my grandparents had a pizza place, one had a diner, and so you saw this entrepreneurial spirit, but ultimately somewhat of, you know, needing some guidance, you know, as business kind of rolled along. And so I went to law school here in Rhode Island and ultimately went out to New York for about 10 years in, in finance, helping both helping companies sell themselves as well as helping companies now on the private equity side of buying companies. And then I did work in a larger corporation and mid-sized corporation buying companies, but what you saw was this disconnect of these two universes, right, where you have people who are building companies, developing businesses, who are doing some really neat, innovative things, and you have these kind of, you know, mega companies on the other side or private equity firms or whoever looking to buy things, and there's a bit of a disconnect at times, whether it's culturally, whether it's just knowing that the other parties exist, and so I always thought it was a very inefficient space, and that was the idea of starting our business, was that we could be kind of that connecting element there where, you know, we can, uh, you know, communicate with the business owners intelligently, but in a way that's authentic and that they know, look, we're really advocating for them and they are our client, but at the same time, we speak the language of, you know, the private equity and the corporate development world. So in many ways, it's that Sherpa up the mountain, right? So you're right, it is a, it's a lot of emotion that goes into it. It's a lot of, you know, years of dedication and it's picking their head up and saying okay what's the larger strategic objective here and how do we even kind of penetrate that field if you will and how do we know we're going to get the right outcome and not get taken advantage of and so that's kind of 
where we come, always representing the client in that conversation. And so I always joke is you have to be able to, you know, have the, uh, the Ric Flair conversations and then talk about private equity firms, right? But, you know, you deal with a pretty broad spectrum on both sides of the equation, and that's what we like to do. Yeah, I th- I, it sounds similar in my head. Uh, I'm trying to get a metaphor for those listening. In my head, it went to sports agent. Because yeah, those yeah. two worlds are really kind of disconnected, honestly. Like, because the leagues are so professional now and so bigwig and a lot of money. And then you've got these, these kids that are, you know, let's face it, they don't know a lot about any of the financials, any of that. And you have an agent that has to be the go-between. Yeah, I think that's a good, act, uh, it's a good analogy because yes. we're, always, we're not always selling against other people that do our job. You know, the biggest thing we're trying to advocate for people is that they should not be pursuing this on an unrepresented basis because, you know, you wouldn't sell your house without a broker. People don't even want to sell their car themselves. But oftentimes, these businesses that are generating millions of dollars a year sell unrepresented to an unsolicited offer that comes in just because they don't really know how to feel the market out. They don't even know to some degree that there are people like us that, that represent them at this size of company. So that's what we're oftentimes advocating against is, hey, look, bringing a professional because you're just the result's going to be that much better and whatever our fee is going to be whether you use us or someone else it's going to be a fraction of the, the incremental value created so you're right and I think that's a good way of saying it. the agent is you know, a party that they don't even know at times what they don't know and that's the dangerous part that you need to solve for yeah the small business owner and they're oftentimes uh, in my experience or just hearing um, from men in your position um, the the small business owner that works its way up, the founder usually, that sure. we, we, this last episode we had, we talked a lot about succession planning in the show Succession. Did you finish it? The show? Yeah. No, I didn't listen to the last five minutes. Oh, good work. Um, and, uh, oh, the show Succession. Yeah. I thought you meant our show. Oh, no, no. You zoned out like five minutes in. You were... Yeah. Yeah. You had, you had Zika. It's okay. It's, um, it's one of those things where... I was just talking to someone about this. Founders get, I stopped trying to pitch uh, when they're on a retainer with me. I stopped trying to pitch uh, a rebrand or refresh of their brand because they're very tied to it because they usually made it. Um, Even though analytically they might go, I know it's a little ugly, but it, it, it works. And you're like, this actually hurts both of us. This hurts my performance to help you. And this hurts your business. I feel like, oh, I just came up with a, a new title for you, Arthur. Power yeah. Business Agent. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Throwing it out there. Let's see Not if it sticks. We'll put it in the, the episode description. Or Business Power Agent. We'll, we'll workshop it. Mm-hmm. I feel cool. like a lot of people are, t- a lot of founders, a lot of people that came up with the small business, they're very emotionally tied to it. That's their baby. For a lot of men, work is their life, Right. And so, sure. so trying to exit, I, I've, I've heard this from the acquisition side, actually. The, I'm working with some PE firms, some VC firms, and they've, they've told me there's a lot of way more emotional attachment than I would have thought. With, uh, now, this is under 4 million kind of companies that they're buying, but you know, they don't have someone as a go-between like yourself. Sure. So you're coming in for both sides to kind of maximize... Yeah, so the companies are our clients. We're always representing the people that are either selling or seeking capital. But 
irrespective of that, you're still kind of being the interface. And, and to your point, look, it's always this battle of there's a deference you have to pay because, again, these are the people that were in the trenches in those dark days like when no one had any you know, love for what they were doing, building the company. And so when they come out the other side of that, there's a, an earned amount of pride that comes with it. Uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, we always try to characterize it. It's, it's evolution, not revolution, right? It's not the getting rid of things that work. It's not the completely rewashing things. It's just the evolution and the progression of something. So it's, it's, it's a balance, but, but you're right. I mean, look, for, for many people, this is uh, many times the biggest asset that they own, uh, many times the thing that they've spent the most time with in their whole lives besides maybe their spouse, right? And so uh, you're right. It carries with it a lot of weight that goes beyond just dollars and cents in the situations for sure. Yeah, we built in a lot of language, and I, I helped with this, to preserve legacy for the yep. acquisitions they're doing. Because that, it's a strange thing. What does that mean? That they're going to carry on the brand, you know, sure. probably for a little bit, but they're telling them they're going to keep it going for a long time. <laughs> um, but it, you I know, mean, look, Warren Buffett's made, in Berkshire Hathaway, almost all of their acquisitions were situations like that, where they said, look, we don't want this thing getting just absorbed into some other company and changing the brand. So no, there's value to it for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the relationships these owners have to depend if it's a local services, especially, you oh, know, sure. the, that's a little bit different than a product company where they might be more to their vendors and employees. Just wanted to clarify. It's a, the brand basically not got to give uncle Earl a job until he dies sort of thing. Yeah, well, Uncle Earl, he's he might get cut, but as soon as the acquisition happens, because it's not, the you way you said Uncle Earl sounds like he doesn't do shit. No, he's so lazy, bro. He's had a security now. So lazy at the toll at the booth outside. Rob five times. There's a, you know what? We always say there's multiple variables. I think oftentimes when people think of egg, business exits, they only, they only think of one thing, and it's a one dollar amount, right? But that's only part of the equation, and so it's. What does the structure of that look like? You know, is it all up front? How much of it's over time? What are the contingencies to the part that's over time? And then what is the transition for ownership? And then to your guys' point, what's the stakeholders and legacy considerations too? And you'd be, there's some companies where there's more concern for that than others. Uh, there's some where it's similar for employees, similar for transition periods. Every situation is unique. I think it's just important on the front end to kind of quantify and qualify all those things so that when we're going out finding offers for companies, we're making sure that they kind of tick the right boxes. Do you find yourself as a pseudo-psychologist navigating <laughs> through these? I mean, look, I think that's the case in any professional services business, whether you're an attorney, an accountant, any business, we're all dealing with people in some variation or another, right? So I'd say in every process we have, there's things that I learn from the clients there's things that I hope the clients learn from us, but it's a two-way road, and it's interesting because at the size of company we deal with, I think it's the broadest spectrum of participants where you could have somebody that's a Ivy League PhD. You could have someone that never graduated high school, and whoever's wealthier or smarter in each situation is not always what you may presume, but you know, a lot of these meetings are interesting because there's not many companies we work with that are owned by private equity when we're helping them sell, right? That's 5% out of what we do. 95% are called unsponsored situations, bootstrapped, owned by the founders, owned by the families. So there's a lot of 
yeah, a lot of time spent together on some pretty deep, you know, in-depth stuff. So I'd say that learning process is both ways. And, you know, I've asked a lot of uh, deep life advice from the clients just as much as they may be getting some from us. Yeah, I will say I do enjoy that part of having uh, diversified sectors that I'm helping. I, I enjoy that yeah, exactly. kind of variety. This is a spice of life. I have that next to my live, laugh, love in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have any crazy sales contingencies that you're like, I'm not going to ask him to do that? You ever help an like, uncle sell his diner? Or anything that's just like really weird? Man, the Greek diner thing is a stereotype I've been sleeping on for a while, but I realized this is like the last couple of years. I was like, oh, yeah. Not your place. They got it. You know what? You won't. Uh... We're more Waffle House down here than diner. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you don't see too many crazy contingencies because you do try to kind of head some of those off on the front end. But, but you will say that there are situations that, there's just an old school way of doing business in some places where, you know, you'll have a, a client out in the, I only mentioned some of the areas, but, you know, the, the, the documents we need to get on the front end of it, it's usually it's, hey, I set up a Dropbox, send us the files, but they'll be like, no, 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 meet me in the, you know, in the parking lot of the business and I got a box for you. And you there scan. it is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Right. So, you, you digitize know. all this stuff. We don't, I'm low, I, I call it low tech. Right. Yeah, but look, and it's, I'll tell you, one of the first deals I ever did uh, after law school when I was in New York, we work, I was working for a small investment bank helping family-owned businesses sell themselves, and it was a, uh, an industrial distribution company out of Hackensack, New Jersey. And we're sitting there, and it was like a multi-generational family, but the old man still owned the business. And we're sitting there talking to him about it, and this guy didn't use a single piece, of, never used a computer, nothing. He had all of the business basically on, in this one notebook that he'd show me. But he could name anything, how much of the inventory is worth, what's the AR, what's the accounts payable. I mean, this guy knew it through and through. So, like, the tech component is not always correlated with knowledge of the business. You'd be amazed at, you know, when I'm sitting there in the parking lot with the guy with the banker's box full of papers, the, the level of specificity and recall and clients and, and Context. I mean, remember that? Uh, remember in the office when Michael Scott had these cue cards where he would have, uh, you know, the client's name, the things to say, the things right. not to say, what color it was in. Tall beats. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it was, uh, you know, you'd be amazed at. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really unique to see some of these situations because the, the tech component of it, irrespective of it, you just see people that are masters of these businesses and have done it so long that they can do it blindfolded at this point. Does somebody who has one of those notebooks give you like heart palpitations that you're just like, oh my God, what, what happens? What, what if the notebook no, you, goes away? Yeah, yeah, look, but by the same token, when you see someone like that, you know they know their stuff. I mean, I've seen guys that can run circles around some of the, some of the firms that are, are looking to buy these things sometimes in how much they know the business in and out and you know, the history and the stories and, and kind of the ebbs and flow of the industries. Yeah, they may not be distracted by so much tech. I feel like uh, we have, yeah. we're in an AI era that is uh, saturating uh, attention spans for sure. And that, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, honestly. Um, I think it changes, it changes the dynamic in the sense that, like, look, historically we dealt with a lack, right? Like, there wasn't enough information. There wasn't enough data. There weren't enough metrics, right? Now it's the opposite, right? It's like, 
we're dealing with like the obesity of knowledge, right? There's just so much information thrown at you that our job now is to try to drown out noise versus mm. trying to scrap up the information and stuff. So I guess it's more just different, I suppose, to some degree. I agree. We have morbidly obese brains. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, I think it is a sat- we've hit a saturation point for sure. We've talked about yeah. this a lot on this show. Like I've bitched about Google for years now. It's just it's you look for information, you can't find it, so these other things pop up. And just like you kind of began with your intro, you saw a need and fulfilled it, right? There is, you know, you're you're helping these small businesses uh, work out the deal and get the most value. On the other side, you're making it efficient for the buyer right. on their side, um, which ultimately probably saves a couple bucks so it doesn't dra- drag on. What um, I'm going to ask Eric this question that we, we got okay. from your booking agent uh, ahead, of, ahead of this. All right. I'm gonna is see, it a well, quiz or is it like my own personal answer? Well, they give us some bullet points to talk about, and I, was just, I thought it would be fun to ask you first and okay. then see what the real answer is. The three, what are the three primary reasons a company is acquired? <laughs> they want to be able to manage their growth. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're just sick of it. Okay, that's two. Man, manage their growth. They're sick of it. No, take back the first one. That one doesn't count. Okay, yeah, I think I you had that answer Tupac. before I finished the question. In your head. yeah, I was just like, I didn't think you'd finish it. You didn't think I was. Well, it was my second thought. one. No, but I mean, it might be a trudge. Why would it? Why three businesses? Three reasons a company is acquired. Well, another larger company might want to acquire the uh, the competition. Okay. And that's three, right? What, what, were the, what was the second? Oh, no, I threw away the first one. Second one, I forgot it already, dude. Man. Oh, they were just sick of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like I'm playing Family Feud. Yeah. Can, can you do... Um, Steve Harvey? Steve Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> Show oh. me. They're just sick of it. No, I got to give you the Steve Harvey stare. And then, and then did teeth? I, really? Really? All right. Um, Arthur? We, I was never going to get to third, just so you know. No, no, look. I think you hit one of those nails on the head. So the first reason we always say is it's just the, the numbers, the, the, the fundamentals of the business. How much does the business generate? EBITDA! Actually, yeah, EBITDA. And what is the yield implied in the acquisition price? The second, to your point, is kind of acquiring something for access, right? So whether it's getting into certain customers, getting into certain end markets, certain geographies, right? If you're the widget manufacturer on the East Coast, you want to acquire the West Coast guys so that you can sell all your widgets to all their customers as well. Uh, and then lastly, it's, it always say capabilities or aptitude. You know, the neat thing in, you know, a business that's generating 400000 or $4 million, right, it's small in the grand scheme of things. And so it's not competing on price. It's not a commodity product. It typically is something that's very unique about it, something proprietary, something that it does better than anybody else. And so you've got these big public guys and large privately held companies that move like glaciers to some degree. And so they need the, to buy the innovation oftentimes via acquisition. And so you've got these small, nimble companies doing stuff in very unique ways. And so in any event, though, you hit it on the access part, but we always say fundamentals, access, capabilities, Three main reasons why companies are typically acquired. I think I nailed it. 
or the uh, working capital went up the owner's nose. That would be, I'd give that a fourth, you know. They party a little too much, Ric Flair style. Woo! <laughs> and they go, this, these are capital expenditures. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, why do you like working in the small, you know, I, I don't even know. Man, we need to really get these terms down. What a small business is, what a medium, what a large is. But I'm just talking in general. Yeah. We, we need to have defined, because it's like what people... Some people call a small bit the Amex commercial about small business Saturday is like, first off, this is gross. <laughs> uh, more, I bet more small businesses owe Amex way too much money, right? Than this artisan coffee shop you're talking about in this commercial. Um, and that's it's a killing it, that's a micro or local business to me, you know. Yeah. That's the Greek diner, that's sure. uh, with the squiggly kind of pattern on the coffee cup. Whatever that's yeah. called. Oh. Thank you for your service. The Corinthian Column Coffee Cups. Yeah. Oh, wow. The in, uh, New yeah. York City. We're just checking if you're Greek. <laughs> We're just making <laughs> sure. We didn't, we didn't know if the, na- the last name was real or not. You know, we had to just check. Um, oh, good. You need to come down to Tarpon Springs down in this area. Where, yes. Oh, you've heard of it. We're, oh yeah, the greekest place in Florida, right? Yeah, we're, uh, we'll we'll I would go with so. we'll go with you to watch uh, the Epiphany Cross throw, where all these high school kids beat the shit out of each other for Jesus right. to get the cross. They vaseline up. Got him, man. Guy on my football team to. got it one year. Yeah, he's the greasiest one of them all. Shout out Luke Pappas. What up? <laughs> That's his name for real? Yeah. I swear to God. Of course his name is Luke Papp. He was middle linebacker. I was outside linebacker. And he'd come Absolutely. up to me and he'd be like, yeah. put some steak on it. Um, <laughs> what, uh, how do we get in the best position uh, to, for an exit of a business? If we're small business owners. I thought you meant the interview. I was like, dude, that's rude. How do we, how do we dismount this interview? How do we leave <laughs> without petering out? Blame it on a technical difficulty. Um, so... I would say, you know, there was actually, speaking of Greek guys, you, you ever see the television show The Prophet, Marcus Limonis? Uh, yeah, love him. He, yeah, now look, he's obviously a bit of a character, but he had a good framework of thinking of... Profit, people, process. Yeah, people, process, product, right? Yep. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it like I nailed it. <laughs> Two out of three. Yeah, but, uh, I got a 66, you know, I passed. That's all right. So he would say, look, if you can have... If you're setting up a business to leave, you know, the biggest risk oftentimes is a key woman, key man risk in a business, right? It's the head person. How much of the knowledge of the business is in their head? How much of it's kind of written out? And how much of it's been delegated to other people? So when you look at the people part, you say, okay, is there some overlap? Is there some redundancy? You know, because it's not big. You know, when people think of mergers and acquisitions, they think of, I was saying it in a, in a YouTube video the other day, they think of Teldar paper from uh, you know, Wall Street with Michael Douglas, right, where there's tons and tons of fat on the bone. But in these businesses, there's not. There's, they run pretty lean. And so it's, it's really preparing, are there people that cover all the tasks? Are the processes well-defined, right? Is there a sales process? Is there an execution and customer retention process? Are there operations? Is there financial stuff, right? And then lastly, it's, it's how well-defined the product is or the service or the offering. What is it? Why is it special? And so... Whenever preparing for a company, we say, look, can we spell out these things? Can we clearly define how all of these things function today? And then assuming ownership is going to transition out at some point, how does it continue to function in an in a, in a optimal manner 
kind of post your exit from the situation. And so if you can define all of that pretty clearly, you know, it means it's prepared, and to the extent it's not, those are the things that need to be solved for often. Yeah, so it's not, it's not near what we think by any TV or movie on a large scale. I, I mean, uh, you know what? the movie that comes to mind for me is uh, American Psycho. You mean murders <laughs> and assassinations? <laughs> that's, how I out, that's how I picked out my business card originally. <laughs> Bone. Cillian <laughs> Rail. One of the best uh, comedies, I would say. Hilarious. Yeah. When the right. ATM asks yeah. him to feed him a cat, uh-huh. and you see that for the first time, high as shit, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> is he going to do it? What's going on? Look, Whitney I, Houston, I think... 10 albums. Oh, sorry. I'll, no, I'll no, let no. you talk. I, I can't, I'll I, let you do lines from American I Psycho. I, I don't. I was about to get into it, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't done this one in a long time. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that with my kids." Anyway, yeah, all good. But you know, I'd say, look, I think, I, yeah, I think the part of the stigma of like M and A and finance is that kind of like late '80s, like Richard Dreyfus, uh, you know, Julia Roberts, you know, hey, I buy companies and I break them into pieces. And I think there was a time in corporate America where things were somewhat inefficient, but you had that whole wave of. Henry Kravis and Carl Icahn and you know, all of that. Mike Milken might kind of come in and I think break down a lot of these businesses and make things more efficient. And so the world that we live in today is you know, the public company is much bigger than it used to be. Right? I mean, even if you just think of banks, right? Like if you looked at like J.P. Morgan Chase and you saw how many different banks that it gobbled up over the last 50 years, I mean, it's outrageous. And so corporations have done the same thing. You've got very large companies. You've got a lot of kind of neat middle market and lower middle market companies, and there's a bit of a chasm in some, some instances. And so it's much more about kind of filling the gaps for the larger companies oftentimes or for portfolio companies or private equity firms kind of building out capabilities. And so the emphasis is a lot more on, again, on the aptitude and the access and the people than it is historically on kind of the financial engineering and trimming the fat and, and stuff like that. I think a lot of that lemon's been squeezed over the last 30 years, and now it's much more about efficiencies and, I think, being competitive on a global landscape. Are you, do you believe we are in the era of corporate consolidation? Speaking of you the banks, I just, I just saw something from, I, I want to say U.S. Facts uh, on Instagram. They just threw up charts. They were showing how many, or no, visual cap, uh, visual capitalization Instagram, and it was showing... How many different banks were like 30 years ago? And now it's like, sure. it's, they were all kind of funneled under the, the big ones. Um, right, right. I mean, look, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough balance because it depends on your kind of perspective of the, the global economy, if you will, right? Like, is our smaller businesses more kind of in the competitive nature of like what you'd think of as like the, uh, the Adam Smith kind of free market, laissez-faire, more libertarian. Invisible hand. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think so. I knew that. Too. You know, so sure. when you think of the global economy and the necessity to compete with, you know, kind of state run industry or state subsidized industry in like China or something, it's almost impossible not to have humongous companies because again, it's that differentiator of industry where if it's an industry based on just pure commodity cost or pure pricing power, it's really difficult to be a medium-sized you know, commodity manufacturer in the States, and that's why largely that's vanished. So I think that, you know, and I see it with kind of some of these uh, mergers and acquisitions that people are trying, to, that the governments are trying to intervene on, whether it's like Microsoft or it was Activision and Blizzard or, you know, you see them interject 
somewhat oddly to say, like, why does it matter in this industry but not that industry? And so I think that there's, like, that's a much deeper conversation as to whether the government really knows what it actually wants. Ooh. Or well, that's, that's a tease. You, want to... you just want a second date, sir. We got to get you back <laughs> on. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't even know about the video game uh, production companies of Blizzard. Right. And what was the other one? Activision. Activision. I thought it was Activision Blizzard that there was some, they wanted to combine, but then that there was a, someone stepped in as like, whether it's fair trade. And so you get these real, you get these real warpings though of capitalism, because then what happens is, so like, let's say in the venture capital world where they've backed a lot of like newer video game businesses, right? If they feel like there's not an off taker for those in a public company, like they, they feel some of that M&A is going to get held up. Now, all of a sudden they're for big business, right? But if they want protections against the pricing power and the, the you know, they want to only protect small businesses. So I think it's the unfortunate thing is we used to, when I was in law school, one saying that stuck out of my mind was that like good facts make for bad law, right? Where the law would kind of warp around the facts and circumstances just to try to do the right thing. I think in business, when it comes to consolidations and stuff, a lot of the government agencies look at it on a case-by-case basis, but are much more inconsistent than they might think in kind of their applications of things. So you mean uh, that's you, gonna? I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. You mean the people employed that, that broke my brain at the government that don't have incentives to do things unless they're lobbied. Weird. Um, all right. Well, Arthur, uh, we could. T- I think we could talk to you uh, again, and especially teasing that government part out because now yeah. I, I get hardcore libertarian when I hear all this stuff. Yeah. You and me both. I'll make my own <laughs> roads. Um, appreciate you coming on. We'll, we'll have you on, uh, another time. And, uh, yeah, you just gave Eric nightmares. No, that's all right. Bad uh, facts. Yeah. Bad facts. You and I will be sleeping just as little, but, uh, I'd say, look, guys, I, I appreciate the time. You're doing great stuff here. I think you, you really meld kind of the serious business with some of the, you know, lighthearted stuff and it's good, right? Cause I think sometimes this stuff gets a little, uh, too cerebral for, for the normal audience. So this is uh, good stuff. I appreciate the time and look forward to coming back on at some point. Ooh, thank you. A compliment at the nice. end. Ooh. Very nice. You're yeah. definitely hey, coming yeah, back. You're definitely, we're definitely, we're going to fly you out down here. Yeah. You got to play on the outro here because we're, we're on the wrestling kick. You got to play the old Ted DiBiase intro music. Right, well, I don't like to take notes. <laughs> you can't take creative notes. It's a little, it's a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> we'll see. If I remember. <laughs> if I remember. That's all right. Yeah. That works. All Enjoy right. Enjoy it, guys. I appreciate it. Right, appreciate you. you coming on. Nature Boy. Woo! <laughs> Be well, gents. Take care. Thanks.